Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast, and thank you for joining with us to worship and learn more about God. We are so excited to have you be a part of this week's service. For more podcasts and services from past weeks, or to join us online on Sunday mornings, check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. Yes, good morning. There, there's this unique thing that happens to me most Sundays when I come out onto this platform to preach. There's a, a jolt. I call it adrenaline. Um, some of you enjoy public speaking like I do, right? Uh, nobody loves public speaking. I don't like it either. God just asked me to be a preacher. That's a funny joke that he and I have together. I'm just saying right now. But there's this moment when I walk out onto this platform when the adrenaline kicks in. And it's just, it kind of helps me just like get all bouncy and hey, everyone. But something special um, happened beyond the adrenaline today. This sounds so weird. I've been praying for this today. I've been praying that God would do something so unique and special today. And when I came out, I get the adrenaline. Woohoo. But then I feel like as if the Holy Spirit um, also gave me a shot in the arm or in the heart or whatever. Does anyone else know what I'm saying? Well, let me ask this question. Does anyone else feel what I feel? Okay, everyone else can leave. <laughs> and me and John. Brenda, you can stay. No, no, okay. And it's, it's not to like, I'm not trying to oversell this thing at all. Um, to be honest with you, I'm not selling anything. I'm not selling anything. I, I'm not, I don't have to convince you of anything. I'm, I want to just talk to you about some things that I believe the Lord has laid on my heart, right? And I'm going to trust Holy Spirit will do something with them in your life. And if he doesn't, that's on him, right? Right? Because if it was on me, we're all sunk. Would you agree with that? Yep. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> yes, we're, we're all sunk if it depends on me. Or, or maybe even on you. All right, well, good morning. Welcome. That sounded strange if you're visiting with us. We normally don't start like this, but it felt appropriate. Uh, my name is Jeff. I'm one of the leaders here at the church, and it's my pleasure to um, bring a message to you today um, that's a second part of a three-week series that we're we call Core Values. And behind this series of core values is this statement that says something like this. And I don't know if I made it up or I heard it from someone, but it goes like this. That the things that we do in life, the things that you do in your life, are, are driven by the things that you value in life. So just look at some of the things that you spend your calories, your energy, your resources to move towards, whatever those things are. If you look deep beneath the surface, you'll find an, an ethos, if you will, a value system that is supporting all of the work that you're doing. Um, and the same could be true, not just in our individual lives, but would be true, I think, in the life of a church. And so about um, every other year or so, we try to do this series about every other year or so, we bring the church through these core value statements just to remind all of us really what our purpose of a church is. So the first week, last week, we talked about our core value here at Renaissance being this, that it's all because of Jesus. Just say amen, I'll move on. It's all because of Jesus. We fully believe that it was Jesus' great idea that Renaissance be a church in the city. It was not my great idea. I, I, had, I participated in it, but it was, I believe, the Lord's idea that, that Renaissance would plant about 10 years ago. Just side note, Renaissance turns 10 next month. Yay! That's kind of, 
exciting and frightening at the same time. Wouldn't you agree? Like we're hitting puberty at this point. Our voice is going to start changing. It's going to get real wonky for a little bit. Right. But anyways, so so we believe that it is because of Jesus that, that this church was started and we are happy to be a part of that. But more importantly, it's because of Jesus that we gather people. It's because of Jesus that we work hard to present the gospel to you. It's because of Jesus that we try to look into scripture every week and try to truly let the story of the Bible preach the Savior who is Jesus Christ to everyone. It's all because of Jesus forever and always. Yes. And amen. Always. All the songs are about Jesus. And And so that was last week. And this week, I want to move into another thing, which is this. It's that growing people change. Growing people change. And I think this is where it might be helpful for some of us because we're people. Would you agree? (laughs) It's the easy one. Um, Hear me when I say this, that we should be changing. Living things, you would agree, grow, right? You've heard the story of somebody watering a houseplant for like a year or so until their husband or spouse tells them that it's actually not a real houseplant. (laughs) It's a fake houseplant. Like they've been watering it for a year, right? And at some point you would think, but this hasn't changed at all. How can you possibly imagine that the thing is alive? It's never dropped a leaf. It's never grown a new leaf. It's done nothing but sit stagnant and dormant. And yet you have this idea that it's somehow alive. Now we would never think anything that doesn't change is alive, would we? In fact, we have a word for things that don't change anymore. What is that word? Dead. Dead. They stop changing. They stop growing. So for, for us in Christ Jesus, we believe He has made us alive. And because of that, growing people like us will change. We will change. We will lose leaves. We will grow new leaves. Weird metaphor, I know, but it's it's the, the premise that I'm working with. Um Each person we know with the things that we value do certain things and we change in a number of different ways. And and we can measure a lot of that change in our lives. We use these metrics to to measure the change. If you're a person like me who wants to really grow financially from year to year to year, we'll look in our savings account at the end of one year, compare it to the end of the year before and see if we've had any growth there. Does anybody else do this, right? You're wanting to change like financially. So you, you, you measure that. You try to calculate, am I seeing growth? You might do so educationally, many people chasing after higher degrees, which is wonderful. Maybe a degree isn't your thing, but you quest knowledge. You like knowledge like me, so you read books. How many people counted the number of books you read last year? That's just a way to measure the growth that you've had as a person. And there are a number of different ways to grow physically. How many of you have a door at home where you measured all of the children as they were growing up each year? Right? You put like little Jimmy was four years old, about this high next year. Never once did my children go down. (laughs) Right? They continue to grow. There was a moment when my oldest stopped growing and the youngest passed her up. That was a tough day for her. I'll just throw that out there. But I want to talk today about something else. I want to talk today about our spiritual growth. If growing people change and God has made us new and he's doing something unique in our lives, we should be able to measure spiritual growth in our lives. But therein lies the rub. That's where it gets difficult. It's quite hard to measure our physical or I'm sorry, our spiritual growth. And that's primarily driven by by this one thing. It's difficult to define what spiritual growth looks like. Many of us have different ideas and opinions as to what spiritual growth looks like. If, if I were you, and if I'm, since I, I get to stand here before you and as a pastor, I get to love on you, 
I would like to point your attention to the Bible and allow the Bible to teach us what spiritual growth should look like, how, how we should define spiritual growth. So that's my work before us today. I want to just let the story of the scriptures speak to us, let the Bible define what maturity or spiritual growth looks like, and then we have some opportunities to look at our own lives and see if we are, in fact, growing that way, okay? So I just want to pray for us real quick. So bow your heads with me. Lord, thank you for everything that you do in our lives. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the newness of life that we have in you. So God, I just pray that our eyes be opened, our ears be um, attentive, that we can see and we can hear, and that you would speak to us today. God, we are anticipating something wonderful from you today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So when we go to define, um, when we go to define spiritual growth or maturing in um, our lives spiritually, we have to we have to look at how our spiritual lives start. And there's this moment in John's Gospel. Jesus has been asked by a religious leader in his day, a man um, whose name escapes me right now. It doesn't matter, but he he comes to Jesus, and he says, Rabbi, calls him Rabbi, just a Hebrew word for teacher. He says, teacher, we, we know that you're from God. You know, we know that you're from God, because nobody could do the things that you're doing if God wasn't with him. We can see, he says, the signs that you're performing. And he's speaking of the miracles and all the things that Jesus had been doing, raising people from the dead, healing the sick, casting out devils, all of that stuff. And so this person says, we can see that you're from God. And, and Jesus almost abruptly, maybe rudely is not the right word, but he just, he, he stops him short in his conversation there. He says, no, 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 let me tell you something. And Jesus says these words in John chapter three, verse three. He says, oh, I have it here in my Bible. I should look there, shouldn't I? <laughs> Anyways, I got a new Bible. I'm so like off my game, right? I can't, I don't know my way around. Um, what did I say? Okay, Jesus answered this person. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So the things that you think you're seeing, the things that you think you're interpreting, perceiving, you can't even see unless a person has been born again. So all that to say this is that our spiritual lives begin when you and I are born again. Let me say those words again, that our spiritual lives begin when we are born again. That is not the end of our spiritual life. There's something we need to pick up on this. Our spiritual lives begin when we're born again, right? So this is that process where in faith in Jesus and all the works that he's done on the cross for us and being raised from the dead, this is all stuff we could talk about at another time. I just want you, just want to, well, those are great questions to ask and great things to consider. All I'm asking right now is we just pause for a moment and consider the metaphor that Jesus is using as he's speaking to this person, wanting to know what it's like to live in, to experience God's kingdom. How does that happen? And he says, you must become a baby first. That you must be born again. See, all of us have been born once the natural way. Thanks, Mom. Mother's Day is coming up. But Jesus speaks of another birth that has to take place. And it's in that moment we enter into a newness of life, a spiritual life, so to speak. But hear me when I say this. This is the beginning of our existence spiritually. And like all children, like all babies and infants are expected to mature, God would have the same expectation on us spiritually. Nobody would want us to stay infants in our spiritual lives. 
You don't want to be with someone who's an infant in their spiritual life. You don't want to stay as an infant in your spiritual life. Hear me. That is just the beginning of our spiritual life. So we must grow up. There is something about this metaphor of being a child. Paul, the apostle, he picks up on some of this language here in 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, he's writing to some Christians, believers, Many of them believers, because he went through Corinth and preached the gospel of Jesus, they became born again, if you will. And then he leaves them for about five or so years. And then he hears some things about the church. So they're not acting like Christians. They're not acting like the way they should be acting. So he writes them a letter of correction and rebuke. We call it 1 Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul is addressing these young Christians here in chapter 3. And he says these words, but I, brothers, again, speaking to the fellow believers, brothers and sisters, I cannot address you as spiritual people. Why? Because you're acting as people of the flesh. You're acting as infants in Christ. He says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And unfortunately, I had that word. He says, even now you're not ready for it. Paul, the apostle, has an understanding as, as we would, if we just follow the metaphor, that we should grow up and mature as spiritual people. And he can tell that they're not mature and they're not growing up. Why? Because there's all kinds of jealousy and strife among them. That's, that's what he'd heard about them. So he's calling them, writing a letter to them to rebuke them in that. You guys should be more mature now. You're still drinking spiritual milk. Now, what does all of that mean? Great question. <laughs> I think there's an entry level, right, a beginning level of the Christian faith where, where you and I, like babies, require the assistance of people externally to feed us and to help us, right? When you're a small child and, and, and you're sitting in your high chair, right, you need dad to reach over and to cut your chicken nuggets up for you, right? And don't ever reach onto dad's plate and try to take some of my chicken nuggets, <laughs> Or you'll learn what my oldest daughter did one day when I stuck her hand with my fork and said, no, <laughs> right? Those are daddies. Anyways, you need someone to help you cut up your food, prepare your food, change your clothes, take you to places that you need to go that you don't even know you need to go there. Someone has to go with you. Now, does this sound like some of us when we're young Christians? Yes, that sounds like all of us. You need someone like even myself to take the Bible, to sort of eat it before you, to regurgitate it back to you, to feed you with it. But at some point, you need to understand reading the Bible, understanding the Bible is actually your responsibility. Growing up, maturing spiritually belongs to you at some point. But there is a moment when you have to be an infant, and we're okay with all of that. Hence, our value, growing people, change. We make room for all people. We make room for very mature believers. Raise your hand if you're a very mature believer. <laughs> Me either, right? I got my hand up just by example. Now listen, we all learn to grow up in these things. But there's also infants amongst, uh, among us as well. So Paul realizes, as we do, that babies, infants need help. And so he uses similar language. I love this. If you follow Paul's language, if you now jump to Ephesians chapter 4, he says that it was Jesus Christ himself who, get, who, 
who gave us help. So when we're all born again, we're young babies and infants, if you will, and Jesus Christ helps us. And this is how he helps us. Read this in verse 8, chapter 4. It says, therefore, it says, when he, Jesus, ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. There's some strange stuff going on in there. We'll talk about that later. But just see this. These are the gifts that he gave to men, to humanity, to help people grow spiritually. Verse 11, he gave to them the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers. We call this the fivefold ministry, if you will. And all of these people are designed, gifted by God, to help infants and children grow to be mature, to grow up. And they are, to verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, and check this out, to mature manhood, or what could be probably translated best, to become mature to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So when we say that our value is growing people change, what we could probably best be saying is that born-again Christians, people who have been born again, as Jesus talked about with Nicodemus, that born-again Christians should mature. This is the thrust of where we're headed today. But what's the metric? How do you know if you're mature? Well, Paul tells us there, you look like Jesus. If, if these chairs had seatbelts, I would tell you to buckle them now. Because <laughs> I want to ask some questions. I want to ask um, you some questions, and I want you to know, uh, I've been asking myself these questions all week. Do I look like Jesus? Ask the people closest to you. <laughs> they'll, they'll tell you the truth. Right? If you have a best friend if you have a spouse, they can be the same person. That sounded like they couldn't be, but you know what I mean? They can be the same person. Ask yourself the questions. Are you acting like Jesus? Um, okay. You, you know how Jesus responded to some of the people that he didn't agree with and that didn't agree with him. You remember the story of Jesus being taken to trial being brought before a trial and being accused of things that he did not do. At no point did Jesus defend himself. How many of us feel like when we've been wronged, we have to defend ourselves and they have to now suffer because they've actually caused suffering for me. So now I need to push back. I just need to make sure that they know they hurt me because if they didn't know that, then I, I need to correct them in that. And at no point did Jesus do that. So when I ask you, are you acting like Jesus? Are you doing those things? Because I do. I do it all the time. When someone offends me, I, I lovingly, <laughs> I love how I throw that adverb on there, I lovingly remind them that they've wronged me. Instead of walking in a place of forgiveness and love and just trusting that God is going to deal with them in the way that he's going to deal with them. Are we looking like Jesus? He's the metric. He's the one we need to look to. Do you have faith to believe that everything you say and do comes from God the Father? Everything you say and you do, does it come from God? Does it... Oh, every, every thought, is it pure and holy and righteous? Are, okay, now you see this. This is a huge goal for us. Lofty goal, right? But know this, that's the metric. 
That's the standard that he wants us to mature, to look like his son, Jesus. We call this process of becoming an infant to maturing sanctification. Isn't that fun to say? Sanctification. It just means that you are set apart and you are holy for God's use. And many times we don't feel that way. So here is the value. Growing people change. So stop. Before you feel a little too heavy right now, you know, Jeff seems like a nice guy, but he was a jerk on Sunday. He was pointing out all of these negative things in my life. No, no, no. No, that's not what I'm doing. I'm not. I'm saying that we're supposed to look like Jesus, and the Holy Spirit might be telling you you don't look like Jesus. But hear me. Yet. (laughs) Yet. So growing people change. So we have to walk in forgiveness towards ourselves and one another, right? I agree with you. You did blow it last weekend. (laughs) I agree with you. You probably blew it this weekend. I don't know. I don't know. But hear me. God does want to change you. God does want to grow you up. So you have to let some of those things go. I didn't uh, give the tech team this verse, but it just pops into mind. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, I think uh, 17-ish, Paul is talking about this born-again experience. And he says, behold, you have become a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. Go back to the metaphor of a child. One of the beautiful things about a child being born is that they have no past to live through. In Jesus' name, you have no past to live through any longer. All of your sins, past, present, future, were nailed to a thing called the cross where Jesus Christ died on your behalf. When the Lord looks at your life and looks at my life, he doesn't see our sins. He sees the righteousness that has been imputed to us through his son, Jesus Christ. We have no past to live through anymore. I mean, positionally, he sees us as righteous. Don't hear me. You still have some stuff to work through. (laughs) As do I. We got stuff to work through. But it is a process. It's not a program. It's a process that God walks us through. And he can help us. And he desires to help us. So if the goal is to look like Jesus, then we have to, rem- we have to remind ourselves, um, or ask the questions rather, how do we grow? How do we progress from infant to toddler to teenager or whatever are there Christian teenagers? I don't even know. <laughs> Makes me nervous thinking about that. Um, <laughs> how do we grow? Don't be too hard on yourself. Move forward. So first is this. Um, know that we have been made new through Christ Jesus. The second thing, and this is where it's real helpful, is um, God has given us his Holy Spirit. And, and by Holy Spirit, you need to know this. This is the third person of the Trinity, right? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is every bit God. God is, as the Father is, as Jesus is. And Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit to empower us and to equip us to live a different life. 
uh, to use the language of the New Testament, this is what Paul would say. We need to learn to be people who walk by the spirit, not by the flesh. Sounds strange. It just means this. We need to be people who walk in our born again newness with the spirit of God inside of us, leading us, correcting us, rebuking us, making us think different thoughts, giving us different passions, live that way instead of living the old way like we used to want to live. Instead of trying to to fulfill the lusts of of our own desires, we now try to fulfill the, this is the wrong word, the lusts of God's desires. Because God has great desires for your life and my life. And through the help of the Holy Spirit, we can now obey him and follow him and serve him and be righteous and holy in him. So we've been made new. It's the work that he does. He gives us the Holy Spirit. But it is not the end of it. And here's where it gets real hard for us. The third part is this, is that we need to work um, towards changing as well. Um, the, uh, the spiritual word would be this, disciplines. We need to have disciplines in our life. <laughs> this is where I check out, just so you know. <laughs> I'm like, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do, right? Maybe. I mean, if you want to stay a toddler, an infant, that's fine. But I think if we looked at the, to the totality of Scripture, we'll see where disciplines play a huge part. Uh, disciplines. What do I mean by disciplines? These are some things that we could discipline ourselves into. And by discipline, I mean these are things we should um, work towards. We should spend calories on. We should spend our resources on. Things like this. Um, prayer, more prayer in our lives. How many people would just admit before God and all these witnesses that you need more prayer in your life? Liars, all of you. Um, No, of course we do. We need more prayer. We need more Bible reading and study. Yes, of course we do. Of course we do. Um, I wrote this. Um, I think it's the wrong way to say it. I wrote church attendance. So I know online's happening and those are wonderful things. But hear me when I say this. You have to Take a moment every week or whatever it looks like and engage with fellow believers. Engage with people preaching. Engage with people talking about the things of God. Or you can watch the fifth season of whatever you've been watching on Netflix. You see what I mean? It's like we we have to, this doesn't just happen to us automatically. We, We engage these things. So we pray more. We read our Bible more. We study it maybe for some of us we're starting to study what it means to understand the Bible. Um, I wrote things, um, I wrote this right before I walked on stage. Um, some of us need to practice solitude and silence more. It's a spiritual discipline, silence. Uh, just side note, when it comes to prayer, um, when you pray, shut up. Like, like pray and then then sit and listen. We need solitude. We need silence. We need Sabbath rest. I I don't want to get hung up on the legality of it being on a Friday night to Saturday sundown. None of that stuff. I'm just saying, are you taking a moment to rest spiritually? Are you taking a moment so that God can um, restore you and do things in you? And the list can go on and on and on. I would say scripture memory is a huge thing. Not just Bible reading, but actually internalizing scripture. Um, If I could just confess to you, when I was a young Christian, um, I memorized scripture constantly, and I haven't been lately. 
And the Lord, through this week, I love this, and I'll, I'll go first. I'll share, right? Welcome to my meeting. Um, I've been, the Lord has been talking to me about memorizing scripture again. And so I, I did what most of you did. I got the Bible app on my phone, and every day it has a verse of the day. Did you know that? Right? Memorize it or try. That's, that's what I'm working through. So, so there's all kinds of these disciplines. Now, there are two problems when we start talking about disciplines, and I'll start winding down with some of this. There are some pitfalls that we have when we start thinking about um, issues of discipline in our life. And these are things to avoid. The first is this, is legalism. Okay? The issue with... with um, disciplines with prayer reading and, and uh, Bible reading, sorry, and going to church, attendance, all that stuff, is sometimes, sometimes we make those disciplines the end. And hear me when I say this, they are a means to the end. That they help us to learn about God, to become more like Jesus, but they're, they're not the success story. Listen, we don't count spiritual maturity um, by the number of times you went to church last year. Hear me when I say this, but I think that's important. Right? Our, our metric is, do we look like Jesus or not? Right? We, don't, we don't count as spiritual maturity that I've, I've memorized uh, the book of Revelation. <laughs> Why that one, I don't know. But that's the one you pick, right? So that, those things are fine, but that's not the, the goal is to just memorize things because we feel like we're earning something. No, no. The goal is so that we know God more, so that we look like Jesus more. Is this making sense? So those aren't the ends. That's the means to the end. So it's not legalism. R. Kent Hughes writes this, for many, spiritual discipline means putting oneself back under the law, right? A series of draconian rules which no one can live up to and eventually spawn frustration and spiritual death. That's not this. Legalism can reduce our spiritual disciplines to a list of do's and don'ts. It's not what we want. There's a difference between legalism and disciplines. Legalism sounds like this. I'm going to do this so that I can earn something from God. I'm going to read my Bible so God will give me something. I'm going to go to church so God will do something for me. That's legalism because you're trying to earn or gain something from God. Discipline sounds like this. I'm going to do this because I love God and I want to love him more and know him more, etc. You see the difference? The real difference is the motivation. What's the motivation between the things that we're doing? If you're just trying to check things off a list, right, they, they don't help you grow spiritually. Um, the second thing, pitfall, is passivity. Sometimes we think, well, I don't want to get caught up in all the legalism garbage, so I'm just going to wait and see what happens. I believe Jeff said the Holy Spirit comes. I'll just wait for the Holy Spirit to do something. You know, we have a, a word for that in the church. It's, uh, what's that? Good? Oh, it's lazy. That's what that is. <laughs> it's lazy. <laughs> no, you're being lazy in that regard. This isn't let go and let God in, in regards to this stuff. The Holy Spirit has a responsibility and is there to help you do the disciplines. My old pastor said this about the Holy Spirit to me once. Jeff, the Holy Spirit is very much a gentleman. He will not do anything against your will. I'm like, why not? I just want him to make me like Jesus. That's not what it is. He comes alongside as we try to become more like Jesus. Dallas Willard, um, brilliant author, by the way. He says this in regards to passivity. You know, just sitting down, letting God do the work in you and not working towards it. He says, faith is not opposed to knowledge. It's opposed to sight. In the same way, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. So we still work. 
We still discipline ourselves and we still have to grow. That is the main thrust of what I wanted to say today. And um, I want to stop here. And I want to ask a question. So what now? So, so what? I think, I think um, before we can go any further, we have to actually pause for a moment and take stock of where we are. Now, I don't know what this looks like for you. We can pray today. We can ask the Lord to, to just reveal to us, Lord, am I mature? Am I spiritually mature? Am I still a child? <laughs> yes, the answer is yes for me. Do I look like Jesus to you, Lord? We can ask those questions, and I think those are great. I think the Lord would lead us into something. But then the, the other thing is then, if, if, if there's room for growth, and would you agree there's room for growth in all of our lives, how, what's next to grow? What are the things that you're going to do to grow? Um, I, don't, I don't know what it is for you. I think some of you um, have a real biblical illiteracy problem. Like you, you know, every season episode, you know, all the Harry Potter thing. I'm thinking of my kids. They love the Harry Potter stuff. Um, they know all, like I could do Star Wars all day, right? Okay. So I have all my knowledge in those things. But when it comes to the knowledge of the Bible, I find myself wanting more some days. I'm a Christian 25 years, 26, 25 years now. I'm a pastor of a church, right? And I still have a friend that I call every once in a while. And I go, hey, isn't it in the Bible somewhere that Jesus did da 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 I think some of us have a real biblical illiteracy issue. And that's an issue that the Lord would want to work through us with his Holy Spirit. And um, I love you. It's going to require you to disengage from some things that you do in your life and to take very serious the things of God. Okay, listen, or not. But hear me when I say this, there is no other way to maturity. There's no, there's no osmosis, if you remember that from science in school. You can't just sit the Bible underneath your pillow when you go to bed at night and hope that it leaks into your brain. You have to, to go after it. So um, here, here's where we're gonna end. Lord, where am I on this? Am I mature, am I not? We all have room for growth. The Lord would tell us. And then, and then secondly, um, Lord, what do you want me to work on now? Because the easy thing to do is to get, be overwhelmed. If you're like me, you're overwhelmed. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible person. Like I look nothing like Jesus. But if, if we're honest and if we're quiet enough, the Lord will speak to us about something. And work on that. Work on that thing. Um, I can't tell you what it is because it's between me and God. But before I walked out here today, the Lord already rebuked me for something in my life. And he says, Jeff, I want to deal with this. So I have my first order of business with him today. And I don't run from it. I, I embrace it. I go towards it. I ask God to help me in it. If nothing else, my faith has been bolstered in realizing that I too was a babe, that the Holy Spirit is available to grow me up 
and I've got to be much to do about his business. Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Would you come? Would you speak to your people? Would you talk to them about your great love for them? Remind them of the work that Jesus Christ has done on their behalf. And by faith, through grace, you have made us new. Holy Spirit, come talk to us about how you see us now. Talk to us about the righteousness of Jesus that's been given to us positionally. And now talk to us about our maturity, Lord. Do we need to grow? Yes, God. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, talk to us now about disciplines. Lord, we don't need 17 right now. So many of us could barely do one. Lord, would you, by your Holy Spirit, would you come and give us one discipline? Jeff, I want you to pray more. Joe, I want you to read your Bible more. On and on it goes. Just what's the one thing you want, God? And then Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us do so. I just want to leave time now for for God and you to do what you want to do. Um, I'll close here um, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining with us today. We would love to pray for you and make a connection with you. So please check out the Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Here you can ask questions, request prayer, find past messages and podcasts, or support Renaissance through online giving. We can't wait to hear from you.